Annex Wealth Management SWAT Podcast. It's episode 65, Monday, August 21st. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. It's insight and perspective from members of the Annex Wealth Management Investment Committee. In the studio, Todd Voigt, Chief Investment Strategist. Welcome. Thanks, Danny. And Matt Morsey, Investment Team Manager. Welcome to you. Thank you, Danny. And thank you for all of you for listening. Uh, please subscribe, share. We really hope that you guys enjoy this and get some insight in terms of what we do here at Annex and, and kind of some of the conversations we have within the Investment Committee. Um, Todd, we got a pretty slow week coming up this week, so why don't you get us started on that? Upcoming economic data we like to talk about. One is the big one is the Jackson Hole on Friday. Not jump ahead, but uh, they're probably not going to talk too much about their September meeting, but they're probably going to have China at the top of the list of topics. Uh, Tuesday, we got existing home sales. We had a slight positive surprise last week, not so much in, in permits. Wednesday, PMI composite building permits is a final big day from a news perspective. Maybe a, that they will be a little lower. Then Thursday, we got core capital goods, durable goods orders. Friday, back to Friday, Michigan index, inflation expectations will be something to look for there. But yeah, other than that, it's going to be a slow week. (laughs) Jackson Hole is always one of those that we get a lot of questions on from clients in terms of, hey, what happens actually when they're over there? What are the things that they talk about? So coming up now and seeing some headlines out of there will be key there. You know, in terms of moving over into strength now, one of the things that we've seen is, you know, somewhat of a sector rotation within the S&P. Energy, as represented by XLE, Sector Spider, is up almost 10% to start the quarter off catalyzed essentially the rally that's oil seen that's moved from 70 to 80 dollars a barrel one nice thing that we've seen in there in terms of how we track things within the different sectors is that it had underperformed by over 30 percent some of those main sectors tech consumer discretionary communication but over the last five weeks, it's rallied quite a bit, capturing back another 12 to 15% over those because you've seen some of those big sectors lose gain while energy is gaining strength. So nice to see more of the market participating in that. And it's, what's really important about that is diversification within your portfolio. You know, it sure looked nice if you were only in large cap growth this first part of the year, but this last five weeks would not have been great for your portfolio. Seeing some other areas of the market, whether it's energy, you know, is really kind of helping out that balanced portfolio get in line with the market and provide more opportunity there, especially when you think if you're rebalancing, taking some gains off those areas that have done well, reallocating those resources within the portfolio, things are probably looking pretty good right now for you. Yeah, and the key that you're referencing there is portfolio construction as a strength. And and while the I give credit to our investment team, you know, the allocation energy might have been been a little early, but the you know, you waited out and others that would be more impatient would have sold that off and, and would have missed this big rally. So I, I think that's a great point uh, in emphasizing portfolio construction and the mitigation of volatility by way of diversification. Yeah, it's really important not only to stick with that, especially if you have a high conviction there, but also when you see those rallies, they are opportunities to trim back within the portfolio as well to get yourself a little bit more neutral sometimes if you need to, especially as we see the volatility within the, the market rising great opportunity to really look and see where you can pick it and move some pieces from the portfolio take advantage of that. Right. And you know where we see that uh, on the individual equity side is the bottom up. I always say that bottom up will drive the sector overweights and underweights. It really does. Take in the industries that are attractively priced from a you know, valuation standpoint as well as the fundamentals. Usually if some industries not is attractive from a valuation standpoint, meaning cheap, 
it, the fundamentals don't look that mm-hmm. good, but there's a way to decipher that and know where to overweight and underweight, and you're absolutely right. What about retail sales? Oh, it still remains strong. It's tying into that GDP growth now estimate for the end of uh, September. But just a real quick comment on that. They start out usually pretty high, and then as more data comes in, the estimate becomes lower and more in line with what might actually happen. The other thing uh, about that, speaking of of what we were just talking about bottom-up, is earnings as a strength, earnings are troughing. They weren't a strength for the last, you know, six, nine months because they're declining. Growth estimates were falling. Now you've got the higher estimates for 23, 24, going to be, we're looking at 12% year-on-year growth in 24 and even 25 if I went out that far. Markets forecasting some stability there and return to earnings growth. Year-to-date, we had this rally was on multiple expansion. You'll hear that quite often, the, the returns we had, multiple expansion. Well, multiples will come down as earnings trough and start rising. And as such, the market will reflect that and rally as well. So we get into this earnings troughy period, despite the fact we're going to recession, uh, and the recessions are inevitable, I might add, but as a strength, earnings coming out of this trough uh, will be a source of strength. Weaknesses, with flight to safety, hasn't benefited treasuries yet and we got yields haven't gone up for for four months on a 10-year treasury longer duration bonds have been selling off longer late longer maturity bonds 10 years have increased in real yields increased two percent highest level since 2008 it's a function of greater supply less demand less demand lowers prices or raises yield continued strong economic growth readings are helping boost treasuries. That's a weakness right now could turn into a positive down the road because the yields going up any further than they already have is less of a risk than it was a year ago. Yeah, I think that's probably one reason too that we started to see those tech-heavy areas of the market sell off as well too, right? The more attractive that real yield to become, especially from a treasury standpoint, looking at that, it's, it's an alternative to stocks. Instead of Tina, there's Terra now, and you start to see those long-duration su- assets sell off, which includes long-duration treasuries, but also long-duration stocks like tech, consumer discretionary, communication as well too. So I think that's driven a lot of that weakness there. It's created an alternative for those types of assets. What's really nice about that is that now you, with that alternative, you don't have to this in and out of stocks volatility that you actually can maintain an allocation to bonds and get a decent five plus percent rate on it. I think that's a huge benefit from a diversification standpoint. You know, one thing that you've highlighted in the past as well as in our, our team meetings is the Chinese economy. Um, you know, more and more of the news that's coming out of there is becoming more and more negative. The government has a greater ability to direct the economy than we do here due to, to the nature of, you know, our, our economic systems, but it doesn't seem like it's working right now. You know, they've had their issues coming out of COVID. They were much later than us due to the political decisions that they made through that process. And we're starting to really see the effects of, of that as well, too. We get a lot of questions from clients, so it's nice to know that from a firm perspective that's an area that we have minimal exposure to but from your standpoint how do you view that part of the markets well the problem is that the economic growth's decelerating it might look like it's not bad because a year on year last spring was actually uh, like 0.4 percent 
and then year on year to that makes economic growth figures look decent. But it, it's actually decelerating, expected to be about 0.8% in GDP growth terms. Now, they're pulling out all uh, everything to try to, to stabilize this economy. You're hearing day after day, you know, surprises uh, of, of uh, ways to, to get the economies to stabilize. You got youth unemployment. 20 plus percent. So we got a little bit more to talk about that. I'm going to restrain myself from going into opportunities and threats. So let's save that part for later. Let's move on to opportunities. If you, Unless there's something else you want to mention. No, let's go know, right ahead. Like the property developers. Yeah, know, well, I mean, just really stuff. quickly on that. I mean, that was news, you know, a while back that Evergrande was having issues. And there's a lot of fear previous years in terms of how that would affect the Chinese economy and would that affect us at all. Right. And now we finally to that day where they are filing for bankruptcy. And we've got that right. opportunity now to see kind of what the ramifications of that are. Correct. Uh, luxury good demand is declining. You see that in the sporting stocks. Sporting goods, too. Yeah, sporting goods. Okay, let's switch over uh, now to opportunities. You know, one of the things that, that we've watched uh, and watched quite a bit is there's a fear and greed indicator that, that we follow um, for quite a while this year. It was actually considered to be extreme greed. Usually corresponds with when markets peak. Now, things can stay elevated on this, this indicator that we look at for quite a while, but they tend to move, you know, opposite of the market. So when the market's going strong, people are greedy. You know, that makes sense. When the market's selling off, people are fearful. That makes sense. But what I say when we want to go the opposite way on that is that when we see greed, that's times for us to take profits and to maybe scale back within a portfolio. Once things get to fear, especially extreme fears, opportunities to buy in. And right now we're essentially neutral. And so from our standpoint, you know, we also want to be too. Now this indicator doesn't mean everything, but it's a good indication of what sentiment is out there. But some areas that you do see opportunities in there when you look at that is how to protect your portfolio and different ways that you can do that. You know, about a month ago, I think on a, on a similar, on a SWAT, talked about the time to, to buy protection is when nobody's looking at it and they're cheap. Now we've, we've tracked put option prices for 20 years plus. They're the cheapest even since February of 2020 and cheaper in that you can get protection in January. The point was that you use that, well, number one point is you buy it when it's cheap. And that's giving an indication that nobody's paying attention to protection. They're complacent about risk. So there's a lot of information there. Then you can go out quite a ways to take advantage of locking in protection. Doesn't mean you have to keep it for that long till say January. You can get out of it early. What that also does, point number three, is affords you the ability to increase the weight in the stocks as they correct and then lift the protection if you don't need it any longer and you're on your way. So there's a couple of phases that you set up there to put those in place and, and, and it's something an advisor should know something about or people could do themselves, I, I'm, I'm, I could imagine. Yeah, I think that another area of the market that looks attractive right now is quality, something we've talked about a lot on this podcast. And, you know, when we look at that, there's different factors that kind of are built out within the market. Uh, quality being, you know, in terms of high profitability, low leverage, indicate, um, you know, in terms of a healthy balance sheet within, within that company. And as we look at the volatility that we see within the markets now and looking forward, what we want to be able to do is maintain equity allocations when we think that's prudent. But you can maintain the same overall equity allocation 
but have stocks that are going to be less volatile, that are going to be a little weather storms, that aren't going to have to all of a sudden take on a lot more debt, and especially at these higher mm-hmm. rates, that they're either locked in for a long time on the lower rates that they refinanced before, or they don't need to go out and get additional leverage with that portfolio, and they're going to make profits on their current leverage. Right. Great point about quality. As you run, you're, you're rolling into a recession. Recessions are, you know, again, inevitable. You want that quality, so that's a great point. And then, you know, it's a question whether it's time to start fishing for bond yield proxies like utilities and staples that, you know, utilities are interest sensitive, but they're perpetual entities like long-term bond type instruments. And my answer to that would be yes, that, that, that you do look at the, you know, again, from a portfolio construction standpoint, the underperformance of utilities and staples as you roll into this, this recession. Now you can skirt, you know, you can talk about a soft landing, all day or no landing, but inevitably you'll have a recession with negative GDP growth. So, um, but you, what you're looking for there is the value. Where is the value? And and you see it in the prices, and and so you'll find something there as an opportunity. And then, you know, I would throw this out there. I said I would come back to China. That you can't imagine getting any more bad news from China. And that's a 2008-type environment for U.S. stocks. That's a 1987. It's a 2001 fall of 2001-type. You know, how bad can it get? And the way to buy China is in a pooled account structure, mutual fund, ETF. And and the challenging part is if you're managing a a mutual fund or ETF portfolio or you're looking for a manager that's going to pivot to China, you know, you got to play that. So, but there's there's pure ETFs on on China or mutual funds that I think you start working into that or dipping a toe in that area. Looking forward, Be, looking backwards, it doesn't look good. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why active management overseas is so important. Uh, they can make that decision to overweight or underweight China within uh, mutual fund, actively managed mutual funds. They have the ability to go in and do the research on individual companies, really understand what that structure of that company is, how intertwined they are with the government. Is that right. a good or a bad thing for that company? They could really dig in and see those details and make those decisions that are necessary there versus going in blind. Um, by just having only China as a fund option, you know, something like that, because then you're just going up and down with the country versus trying to find the, the companies that are going to outperform, but making sure you have that active management. Last thing I'll just mention I, when I talk about utilities and interest sensitive is REITs. REITs are another opportunity of beating down value, uh, and they also pay a dividend. So you got a combination of growth with yield in REITs. The other point I want to make is the broader equity market. Uh, once we get through this correction, and I believe it is a correction, and we, I said we'd have another leg down and before we get any sustainable rally in stocks, because stocks are adversely affected by rising interest rates, not higher interest rates. And so once we get through this period that you've got opportunities in the broader equity markets. I can't get into the drill down of individual companies, but I'll leave it at that, that the the equity allocation, I could see that going up. 
Yeah, I think moving over to threats, you know, one of the things that, that we've spoken a lot about on this podcast is sector performance, what's done well, what's what's falling, what's what's catching up. You know, a lot of that comes down to how indexes are created. You know, market cap weighting being the most prominent, predominantly used way to do that. So S&P is based on how big the size of the company is, relates to how big it is versus the, within the index. What we could be seeing in terms of a threat is seeing some of those tech companies uh, roll over uh, or trade flat for a while is that if that continues, you're not going to see progression within the index. Even if energy does outperform like it has over the last five weeks, it's such a small part of the index itself that, frankly, it's the size of Apple, give or take a little bit on that. So energy as a whole is not going to be able to move that index. And if we start to see some of those bigger cap names starting to pull back and, and following through on that, we're going to have some issues from a, a market performance standpoint. Todd, you know, you've talked a lot about equally weighted index over the past. You know, that's one benefit to those is when you're tracking it, you see the health of the average company because they're all equally weighted in there versus the market cap that's going to be moved so much by just a few names. That right. That's a risk, I think, going forward. Right. Another threat is, is in, in quantitative tightening and the requirement of banks to have higher capital structure. If there's a lack of demand for treasuries, and then leading to implying higher yields, They'll force the demand on banks to raise their capital requirements, and that's a concern. Then you got budget, another threat is budget negotiations coming up here in October. Lastly, I'll throw in here, because we're short on time, China contagion, big question. Foreign exchange, uh, in the foreign exchange markets, you have contagion if you have fixed exchange rates. We've had pretty much a fixed exchange rate arrangement. China has pegged their currency, the U.S. dollar, for many, many, many years. We've sent Treasury Secretary over, you know, over and over again, different administrations, to asking the Chinese to, to strengthen their yuan because they're, they reflect a 7% economic growth. They didn't do it because they're raking in foreign reserves. Now their foreign reserves went from 300 billion and exponentially went up to 3 trillion, 4 trillion at one point, now 3.2 trillion. What they've done is managed that peg down 14% over the last year. So I still refer to it as devaluation. But they did that because they don't want to use their foreign reserves and deplete them and, and, and draw on those. So the point is, is that that threat of contagion is not, it's going to be showing up in the markets first. No, no doubt, you know, you see that even in our market the impact of what's going on in China on our markets. Markets are barometers. They're very sensitive to news and sentiment and things like that. Fundamentally, there isn't as much of an impact because they've weakened the yuan. And if they maintain that fixed peg, they would have to come in there with a lot of foreign reserves to maintain that peg. And they're not doing it, and they're, and they're letting it weaken. So weak currency is also inflationary, by the way. And they need inflation because they're going through a deflationary trend while we're worried about inflation. And so they weaken it uh, just as much for that reason as well. They have, the problem with that is they have less of a propensity to consume imports. So this, the, the impact is not that great, uh, as it is in the U.S. where we do have a high propensity to consume imports. So um, we'll see how that pans out. I don't think it's as bad as it may seem on the news, the contagion issue. It's definitely going to show up in markets, but fundamentally, they weaken the yuan anymore. It's, it's not going to, uh, it's going to be lessening the impact. Let's wrap with our headlines. What's our headline strength? 
Uh, portfolio construction is a strength managing volatility. Keep in mind long-term allocations, long-term outlook. Headline weakness. Chinese economy. Headline opportunity. Uh, active management and the ability to look throughout the market and throughout the world to find opportunities. And our headline threat. Quantitative tightening and the effects that that will have throughout the system. Annex Wealth Management SWAT Podcast, Episode 65. Todd Voigt, Chief Investment Strategist. Thanks. Thanks, Danny. Matt Morsey, Investment Team Manager. Thank you. Thank you. Annex Wealth Management, LLC, is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect on those of Annex Wealth Management, LLC. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation or a solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risk. Neither Annex Wealth Management LLC nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.